thanks for having me along. I'm, uh, I, I know what it says on there, but I'm going to slightly talk off-piste. Because actually Healthwatch shares a challenge which actually everyone in the room uh, shares, which is about in an emergent system, how do we ensure that people are equally involved in decisions about their treatment and care and also the design of services in their area. And I want to start in a really interesting place, which is if you ask people about patient experience, the thing they tend to tell you is, well, there's very high satisfaction ratings. And if you look at all the government surveys, and the reason why ministers and Secretary of State love them is because it all says, you know, 70, 80 percent are absolutely loving their treatment in hospital and uh, loving their care home. And we did some work to understand, well, why was it that so many people said that they thought their health or social care was fantastic, when actually when you talk to them about it a bit more, they were saying, well, actually, you know, I was lying in hospital, couldn't go to the toilet when I wanted to, had to skip a meal, which is uh, really odd because the statistics kind of don't tell you about that bit. And people were saying, you know what, it's because the NHS is free, it's because we know that the nurse on my ward was run off of her feet. She had to go and cover four different beds all at once and the doctor didn't have enough time and actually maybe the person in the bed next to me was far, far, far serious condition than I was. So people seem to be explaining away quite serious incidents of neglect, abuse and death. And we asked people a bit more about this and actually one in three of the public said... Do you know what? We know someone that we think has experienced either neg neglect, mistreatment or abuse in health or social care. But half of the people who had a concern didn't actually tell anyone about it because of some of those cultural assumptions about how we interact with health and social care. So there's a big cultural change piece that needs to happen, not only within the way that professionals think about the way that they deal with patients, families and carers, but also from the side of people uh, who are interacting with health and social care services. So this is a very nice map, uh, which I'm not going to talk you through because that would be a 14-hour lecture in itself. Uh, but instead, what I'm going to do is just point to a really important thing that's happening at the moment in health and social care. So the Health and Social Care Act is really important, not only because it reorganises and changes the way that we think about health particularly, but also bits of social care in the country, but also it starts shifting a lot of the system and structure away from where NHS particularly, but health and social care, traditionally occupies. So spaces around benevolence, universalism, conformity and tradition towards a new set of cultural values, which are around self-direction and power. And it's really interesting because the majority of the people in the UK, but particularly in England, which is where I cover, actually still are living in this space of universalism and benevolence. When you talk to them about that bad treatment they've experienced and say to them, come on guys, don't you want to shape therefore what your services look like? Don't you want to be an equal decision maker in your care and treatment? They say, but don't doctors know best? And it's really important that we find a way of bringing people along so that they can start challenging some of the cultural assumptions that underpin the way people interact with the system. But that would be a hard enough challenge in a static system. But this is an emerging system. This system of health and social care doesn't really exist and won't exist for the next, you know, six to ten years. It's totally emergent. 
And that's why so many people say that they're lost in it. They don't know how to navigate their way through it. They don't know who to talk to. They don't know where power lies. And when that happens, they kind of revert back into that place of universalism and benevolence. But also people's expectations are changing, which is quite interesting. So if you have conversations, particularly with uh, clinical commissioners, what they tend to tell you is, do you know, patient safety and outcomes are really, really important. Uh, and then you explore it a bit more and they don't mean lots of bits of safety or outcomes. And some of those uh, concepts are shifting anyway. But one of the things they don't value, and apologising to those of you in the room who are clinical commissioners, um, is uh, experience and quality of services. And when you talk to the public, patients, families and carers, what they actually say is, do you know what's as equally as important as me making sure I had the right surgery or I can live more independently or that I can manage my own condition? Is that also the experience of going through that treatment or that care is, is of equal value? So rather than it being about health and social care being about managing safety and ensuring a good clinical outcome, it's also about the way that people experience the system. And that's something that we don't really measure because we use this uh, cultural cover of satisfaction. So um, when I, I only started in the job almost four months ago, and Healthwatch has only existed for six months-ish, and we were born in a very, very strange environment um, in the middle of the lap of the Care Quality Commission. So it was an interesting time to be born, and we've kind of moved out and uh, found our own digs at the moment. But uh, one of the first things I did when I went round and talked to all the system players was... So, guys, my job's all about policy and intelligence. What intelligence do you collect about the way that people interact with the system? And they said, so, we've got loads of hard intelligence. So, here's all the stats we collect, and this is the national data sets, and here's our inspection reports. And here's all the soft intelligence. And we don't really collect that, but, you know, sometimes some patients or advocates or others tell us about their experiences. And for me, that was a bit of a culture shock because a i'm not from the background of the public sector but b i'm suddenly in a system going hold on you're saying the softest form of intelligence is people's experiences and ideas about how they could change the system which was slightly bizarre because for me it's actually one of the hardest forms of evidence because for instance had people listen to people's experiences ideas and opinions things like midstaffs and morecambe bay and winterbourne view wouldn't have happened so there is still an institutional culture, I think, within particularly health, but also social care, of thinking of soft intelligence as being people's lives, which is probably the wrong way around. It's, so one of the other things, another reflection, is that um, I've been talking to lots of people who think, think they're doing quite innovative things in the way that they bring people's views um, into the room. So the way they do that is by consulting people. Uh, which isn't innovative if, if you're just trying to work that out. And the second one is by uh, creating um, these these fictional uh, characters. So you might have heard of um, Mrs. Pankhurst or Mrs. Smith or others that are being used uh, around England to try and talk about difficult pathways through the journey so the person's present in the room. And I ask some of these people who are seen as the absolute innovators, particularly at the very high level in health, uh, and social care. And I said, well, why don't you bring people's experiences into the room and their ideas for change? And they said, oh, oh, hold on. But people are about articulating problems. And we're about coming up with solutions. 
And for me, that's actually the crux of what the changing emergent system is. The new system, there isn't this power balance where you've got people are about problems and the system and commissioners and service uh, designers and procurement managers are about solutions. It's actually a situation where everyone is a decision maker and everyone is about solutions. And that's a real cultural challenge, uh, uh, actually, for patient groups, many who over decades and decades have been forced in this space of benevolence, usually using power to shout out, are suddenly being invited in the room. And that's a really difficult challenge that local health watch share as well, because for the first time ever, through health and wellbeing boards and quality surveillance groups and other mechanisms, the, the collective voice of people have a space on the shaping of commissioning strategies or the reorganisation of services or thinking about directions in terms of service delivery. So it's a really interesting moment, but a very difficult one. And very finally, I think, just to add, we've set a challenge to the system. So Healthwatch England, you may or may not have clocked our annual report, which sounds like the most boring thing that could physically be produced. But um, because the system hadn't given us one, we created our own mandate. And that came out uh, last month. And I do suggest you... Uh, you read it because one of the wonderful things about creating your own mandate is that you can be quite challenging. So what we've decided is we're going to use international best practice in talking about people's rights, entitlements and responsibilities for health and social care. And we talked to all of the people who worked at a UN level on disability issues, children's issues, women's issues, on consumer issues. And then also we looked at the existing landscape in terms of policy legislation guidance in England and the UK and said do you know what half of the rights that are articulated in the NHS constitution or other places they're a great starting point but they're not really where we want to be so what we're doing is we're creating for the first time ever and whether you like the word or not don't get too hung up on that bit we're creating a consumer um, rights vision for health and social care which means that we can start talking about where there's regression standing still or progression on people's rights. And it's a really interesting new platform because it means that we're starting a conversation with the system, which is about how do we ensure people have access to the places and spaces they need to become equal decision makers. Thanks.